0: Hi, and welcome to Genesis Upper Room Church. We hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in with us. The light, the church of Jesus Christ. We're not a salt, and we're not a light. We're it. The church of Jesus Christ is the salt. Without us, there is no preservative. No, I don't think you're getting that right now. We got to start off. We are, we the church, are the preservative in the earth. You remove us, there is nothing to preserve the earth. We are the church of Jesus Christ, the light. Without us, there is no, nothing but darkness. I had the privilege of being uh, put onto a phone call with a wonderful man of God, Dr. Mateer. I was put on a private phone call with him. And God is using him. He's also out there helping raise up the uh, Asian community towards uh, uh, pr- uh, getting President Trump voted in. But he's a man of fire, man of the Holy Ghost. and. And, and and we were uh, ministering, or I was, uh, had a couple conversations with him. But in this saying of the revelation that we are the salt and we are the light, you have to understand that everything that's going on is going on in regards between the battle between heaven and 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 the uh, between heaven and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There is nothing happening that is not about that battle. It is not like there's this battle between God and the devil and then all of these other things that are sub-issues, you know, little just personal human issues. Everything that happens in the natural is connected to the spirit realm. I'm going to say that again because man lives in two worlds. We live in a natural world and we live in a spirit world. Now, only in the Western scientifically-minded society, and by the way, let me put this in your spirit. Is it right I go fast today? I put it in your spirit. Man has not fundamentally fought with a scientific mindset except for the last 500 years. This Bible was not written with people that had a scientifically mindset idea. In the scientifically mindsetted community, we've separated the natural realm from the spirit realm. But there is no separation between the natural realm and the spirit realm. Everything that happens in this natural realm is a byproduct and a manifestation of something that has gone on in the spirit realm. And what happens in the spirit realm affects the natural realm. And what happens in the natural realm affects the spirit realm. God, who is a spirit, from the spirit realm spoke, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be the stars, let there be the firmament. What came in the natural came out of the spirit realm. So when you see something happening in the natural realm, understand something simultaneously has been going on in the spirit realm. And as long as we keep trying to deal with the issues of what we see in the natural Simply from trying to battle them in the natural, we are going to frustrate ourselves because we've got to go past the surface. What we're seeing, the riots we're seeing, and the and the violence and the protests, those are the things that we're seeing in the natural realm are not natural results of natural problems. They are natural manifestations of a spiritual problem. And until we deal with the spirit problem, we're not going to be able to see the permanent breakthrough in the natural. You might be able to, through natural means, subdue and push down some of what you see in the natural, but you're not going to deal with the root issue. It's time we go past the surface. Racism is not a natural thing. It is a spiritual thing. Violence is not just a natural thing, it is a spiritual thing. Are you hearing me? What we're seeing is a manifestation in America of a release of the portals of hell spewing out upon our country. But we, (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. Somebody said the devil's a liar. There are portals of hell being released. But there are portals of heaven that need to be opened up because light always dispels darkness. Darkness has no power over the light. Darkness only rules when light is absent. When we went to Portland... And I've got to get started here. Well, I've already started. (laughs) When we went to Portland and we went down to where the riots were happening, the thing that I was so amazed about in my spirit was not how much wickedness was going on there, but how little sense I had of the presence of God's apostolic authority. We realized quickly when we went down there is the problem in Portland is not that there's too much wickedness spewing out, but there's so little light being manifested. We looked it up. Inside of Portland, there's the 405 Freeway and the 5 Freeway that kind of splits and circles the main downtown of Portland. We looked it up. We could only find listed on the Internet nine churches inside of that entire area where all the riots are taking place. Four of those churches are actively promoting homosexuality. Are you all hearing me? One of those churches is, they call themselves a Christian church, but it's all about, uh, it's, all, it's a spiritist church. And, and, and you just read their writing, and it's like, who are you people? Because it's an absence. We only found two churches that even had a semblance of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. One church, that seemed, a grace church, I think it was called, seemed pretty hard just going after God, and a Baptist church. So inside of this entire area, there's only two churches. And what I we could feel that most of the other churches that have any spiritual power, they've gone out into the suburbs, they've gone out of the city, and they're looking inward and they're saying, oh, it's such a shame what's happening in downtown Portland. But, you know, we've got our nice church over here, and we're too busy to hunkering down because of COVID, and we're too busy doing this and doing that. Instead of realizing what they needed to do was go into the inner city, get in there and take apostolic authority, and and shut up that portal of hell. It is not that the powers of darkness there are too strong. It's that the church's presence is too minimal. Are you all hearing me? Listen, I'm not trying to be harsh here tonight, but we either believe this word or we don't. Either we're the salt or we're not. Either we are the light or we're not. And I want to tell you this, I believe that our president, Donald J. Trump, understands this. You say, how do you know? Because I got called, Dr. Mateo, I got invited into a private phone call with one of the president's top attorneys. I know on behalf of the president of the United States, talking to about 100 preachers, by invitation only call, I got invited in. The president, through his attorney, told the churches, you need to stand up because what they're doing in these states and shutting you down is not constitutional. They can't, they don't have the right to tell you not to meet, they don't have the right to limit how many people meet, and they don't have the right to tell you not to pray, they don't have the right to tell you not to sing, but you have to stand up. Are y'all hearing me? why I sat with I've sat with several great prophets of God and men of God and God has been speaking something consistently. They say everything that has been going on. Remember everything, are you all with me on this? Everything that's happening is tied to the spirit realm. This is not just some natural disease. I saw the vision before I was here with you guys in March that a demon spirit came out of Wuhan, China. It opened its mouth, and two things came out of its mouth. One was this virus came out of its mouth. This is a demonically inspired virus. Come on, it's way too specific it's way too specific it goes after the most vulnerable it goes after the elderly are y'all hear me it's weird normally flus and viruses like this they, they they go after they hit the weak they hit the children and they hit the old older folks but this one seems to be just going at the older folks this is a denonically inspired virus It spreads way too fast. You've got to get your mind out of the natural and get down into the spirit. We're involved in a spiritual battle here. Huh? Come on, don't you think that out of one of the places where there's some of the greatest satanic demonic worship in China and idol worship that this thing came out of that? It is not simply natural. It is demonically inspired. And I have had servant of God after servant of God, seasoned men of God that said to me, one after another, God spoke to them that this thing was designed for one purpose and that was to shut down the church. Because the enemy has a plan He has a plan, and put it in your... I'm sorry if I'm coming out the gate a little fast tonight. But he's got a plan to destroy America. Because America has been used by God as the number one funder of the gospel in the world. America is the one that stands for Israel. If America didn't stand for Israel, Israel would have already been wiped out. God has raised this nation up for his plans and his purposes from the very foundation of who we are. In fact, if you go to to Plymouth, Massachusetts, Plymouth, Massachusetts, there's a monument there, the the monument to the founders that is there. And if you look at it, this is a statue that is representing and acknowledging the foundations of our freedom and the foundations of our liberty. At the very top of the statue, there's a woman, and her name is Faith. And she's holding a Bible saying that faith is the foundation of our nation. The first statue in front you find is morality. And under each of the statues, they're sitting on thrones. There's two other statues underneath on the either side representing the foundations that they are that support morality. Are you all ready for this? Morality is holding the Ten Commandments. On this side of morality, the, the, the statue under this side of morality is the prophet. Pointing his way to God. And on this side is the evangelist. Folks, this is the monument to our founders. The first line is morality. And it's saying it's founded in the word of God preached by the prophet and the evangelist. Then, when you go under the, as you continue around, the next statue, that statue represents law because there is no law without the foundation of the Word of God preached by the prophet and the evangelist. Any law that's not rooted in the Word of God is an unjust law. I'm going to say that again. Any law that is not rooted, because he is the great lawgiver, Any law that is not rooted in the word of God is an unjust law. It is exalting man's wisdom above God's wisdom. People say you cannot legislate your morality. Yes, you have to. Le- all morality, all legislation is moral. The founders, under, are, y- are, y- are y'all hearing me? People say you can't legislate. Morality. Laws are morality legislated. That's what they all are. When you deal with law, then there you see a statue representing law. Again, holding the Ten Commandments. On this side is a statue that says justice. Put that deep in your spirit. We're going to come back to that in about three hours. And over here on this one is one that's Mercy. I came to you in March, and I'd begun to declare that December 28th, God spoke to me about and to tell my people that the decade of the 20s was going to be a decade of extremes. He told me to tell you. You remember me telling you this. He told me to tell you that things are not going to calm down, that they're going to get much more intense. They're not going to calm down. But that Isaiah 33, 6 needs to be a foundational scripture in your life. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. And that God said, my people are going to have to hear my voice now like never before. Because you're not going to be able to go by what you're hearing on the news reports or by what we've been doing. You're going to have to know what God is saying. Otherwise, you're going to be shook because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that that which cannot be shaken will remain. He is shaking everything so that only that which is of Christ remains. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then God began to speak to me about California. California. I just re listened to the prophecies he gave me about 15 minutes about different judgments that were coming to California. Now, people say, Well, I don't know if I believe in that. I don't believe if God judges. Oh, maybe you stick around for the second session. (laughs) Because a God of love must judge. Because judgment is what God has to do when people don't willfully surrender and submit, because God has to close up the portals of hell. And the portals of hell will either close because of people repenting and stopping their immoral activity or God judging. But God must stop the portals of hell because if he leaves them unattended, they will destroy. Amen. Huh? Amen. Come on, Amen. If somebody if, if, if somebody was attacking and coming up and attacking uh, Apostle Mike's wife and trying to rape her, and he sits and says, well, you know, I'm a Christian, and, and it's not good for me to judge, and I just need to be merciful and loving, and he sat back and let them go and attack his wife, there's nobody in this building that would think good of him. We wouldn't think how, we would not think he was so oh, what a wonderful, loving pastor he is to allow to sit back and be merciful to this man that is attacking his wife. No. In fact, we would call him and engage in a dereliction of duty. He would be forsaking. See, it is God's love that brings about judgment for his mercy for the innocent. If God does not judge the wicked, then God is guilty of not being merciful. Are you all getting it? I know I'm going. <laughs> Jesus. So there on the foundation is, oh, God spoke to me, and he said, you tell the preachers, you tell them December 28th, I've got it on tape, tell them to begin to cry out for justice and for mercy. Can you imagine when I came up to that statue? I didn't even know it existed. And I come in that statue, and I'm standing before a law, the, the one on law on this side of it, it says justice. And I said, you've got to be kidding. No, no, this can't be, this can't be. I walked to the other side. I said, it says mercy. (laughs) Why? Cry out for justice. And by the way, in the Old Testament, the word for justice and judgment are the same word. I'm gonna say that again. The word for justice and for judgment are the same word. Then, when you turn to the third side, I believe it says teach or education. It speaks of knowledge. And it speaks about training up one is wisdom on one side, speaking of the elderly to bring their wisdom. And the other is a child, raise up a child in the way they should go. But that the education system must be rooted in the laws of God. That are according to God's justice and God's mercy that are rooted in morality preached by the prophet and the evangelist all with faith pointing their way towards God. So even in our founders statue it's pointing that all education must be rooted in the word of God. Isn't it interesting that the devil has gone after our schools to get the Bible out of our schools and look at the systemic aspect of what's going on? You've got to understand the devil is patient. He works his plans over decades, step by step, removing God out of the out of the schools and out of our government. Out of he's going backwards. Because the final statue is a statue of mighty man of war, and his is liberty. Liberty on this side, it has tyranny, and it has liberty crushing tyranny. That true freedom only comes from the foundation of faith rooted in the Bible with morality preached by the prophet and the evangelist. Which laws that are rooted in the word of God with education that comes from the word of God and the laws of God and the morality of God and faith in God. And only then will you ever truly have liberty. So the enemy is going backwards to remove our liberties by eradicating the foundations of faith. That there's no more faith than one one true and living God, that, that morality is no longer rooted in the word of God, but whatever anybody feels like it, that our law should not be rooted in Christian principles, but should be rooted in some sense of, 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 of emotion and all these other things. He's been chipping away at what holds up liberty. The America is under assault, but I got news for the devil. God is not through with America yet. But if we keep dealing with this thing in the natural, we keep looking at this thing in the natural, we will be swept away because we understand, have to understand this is a spiritual battle. Someone say it's a spiritual battle. And I know it gets intense sometimes, but folks, we are constantly in spiritual battle. We are constantly in spiritual battle. Everything that happens in the natural realm has its root in the spirit realm. Someone say everything. Say it again. Say everything. Isn't it interesting how much that even in the church, they're trying to get rid of any teaching or revelation on spiritual warfare. We've trained, we've tra- we've traded our prayer meetings that go after demons for psychological counseling that deals with emotions. We keep trying to solve problems. As I've walked in these streets, 150 cities, 105 cities, excuse me, and I've walked these streets and I've seen the demon possessed. We call them homeless, but most of them are demon possessed. You watch them, look at their eyes, look at the way that... This is not a mental health problem. This is not a housing problem. This is not a drug addiction problem. It's a demon possession problem. I've seen the demons in their eyes. I hear them speaking to people who are not there. Are you all hearing me? I've seen them in these streets. And there is a reason... Please, I'm not going to get political. I'm just going to get real. I've been to the cities. You know where you see them? By far, 10, 20 times as many as I see. It's in the democratically controlled states, in the democratically controlled cities. That's where we saw the greatest violence, the greatest vileness, and the greatest demon possession. Why? Because when you have... A political system that has turned its feast against God and say we reject you, you are going to reap the harvest of that. Yeah. Please, I'm not battling. This is not about political ideology. This is about people say, well, God's not a Democrat or God's not a Republican. You're right. He's God. He's not a Democrat, he's not a Republican, but it does depend, it does matter who you align yourself with. Mm. I'm just telling you, night and day, the cities we saw the most destruction by far were controlled by the people that are most anti God publicly, the leaders. And yet we don't think there's judgment. Walk the streets. Go down to downtown L.A. Walk. We we, we were just there. Walk the streets. Look at that beautiful city. We were just in Hollywood Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard, the epitome of of what's supposed to be stars and glitz and glitter, and it's nothing but vile pits of homelessness and drug addiction and perversion and prostitution running up and down. When are we going to wake up and say something is terribly wrong? What portals of hell have we opened up? This should never be in America. It should never be here. But it's not a natural battle. You can, it's a spiritual battle. Matthew chapter 16, are you all with me on this? Excuse me for just coming out on that, but I don't have time to be apologetic. I'm trying to save America. (laughs) we We need a great awakening. I said, we need a great awakening. And don't you, don't. I can show you scriptures that say that if you align yourself with unrighteous governments, that it is a judgment on your hands too. Uh, would you? Huh? Huh? When you align yourself And empower people who have authority to execute wickedness, you are responsible also. Matthew chapter 16, (laughs) beginning with verse 21. And from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, that this should not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. What? We're talking Peter. Peter, who had walked on the water, Peter, who just a few verses earlier had declared the revelation, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. One moment Peter is speaking by the Spirit of God, and a next moment he's speaking by the Spirit of the enemy. We've got to get a revelation and understanding that even we as vessels who love God and serve God, if we're not hearing what God is actually saying, we can literally be portals of hell. There was a spirit coming out of Peter trying to attack Jesus to get him to not fulfill God's will. And it sounded so compassionate. Oh, no, Jesus, no, we need you. God wouldn't want to put you into risk and danger, Peter, or Jesus. God wouldn't want you to, to be arrested and, and possibly killed. No, 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 that can't possibly be God's will. No, we've got to be, we got to work with the local leaders and the government authorities, and we got to do all this. Oh, no, 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 don't, 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 don't be too, don't stir up too much. You're doing so much good work. Far be it from me. I'm, I'm not going to let anybody harm you. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, what's interesting is if you look at it, we often think that Jesus turned to Peter in his face and he turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. No, Peter was talking to him and then Jesus turned and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because he understood I ain't talking to Peter right now, I'm talking to the devil. The devil may be talking through Peter, but I don't need to address Peter. I need to address the devil that's speaking through Peter. Come on, you all know it's true. Sometimes people you love, sometimes the people closest to you are the people that the devil's going to speak through. Back off. Don't get so political. Don't don't, don't sit there. No, no, don't, don't sit there and call out. Don't do, don't, don't, don't. don't. You got to, you got to, how many of you have been, don't even raise your hand. How many of you have been attacked? Because you dare stood up and said God's a God of healing and we don't need to walk in fear about coronavirus. How many of you on Facebook, your, you ain't very loving, you ain't very Christian, you ain't there. Let me tell you something, if we've been preaching healing for 20 years and we don't actually believe it, we're the hypocrites, not them. <laughs> well, brother Steve, what'll happen if you get it and you die? I'm happy. <laughs> Christians should never be afraid of dying. Come on, what is this whole thing about? We're going to go be with him. Huh? But the spirit of mockery, the spirit of shame will try to come upon us because it's not about a virus. It's about silencing faith and mocking faith. Huh? Can you see it? When a pastor stood up and said, "We're going to believe God," and then they got coronavirus, and even other Christians jump out and say, "Oh, look at them! They were so irresponsible. They were so this. They were so that." You're shaming. Shut up, you Christians. Shut up, you preachers of faith. You have what they're really saying is the voice of the devil. You see, you have no power. I got news: we have power. We have power. And though God slay me, yet will I trust him. Because in the end, we still win. Get behind me, Satan. Watch what he says. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. I want you to put that very deep in your spirit. Because so much of what's going on right now is rooted right here. The conversations of our day have been twisted and perverted because we have become mindful of the things of men instead of mindful of things of God. We have stopped trying to find out how does God view things and we're more interested on how men feel about things. I'm going to say that again. It's very important. Satan will always try you to become mindful upon the emotional impacts and the opinions of men instead upon the thoughts and the values and the purposes of God. Can I give you an example? We stand up and we say, Because we want people to get delivered and healed. We want people to go to heaven. We want people to walk before God and we say homosexuality is a sin. But people sit there in the church. Oh, that's so judgmental, Brother Steve. Don't you understand how that makes people feel? That makes them feel judged. That makes them feel ashamed. That makes them feel bad. But you are being mindful of the things of men, the emotions of men, instead of the thoughts of God. God says, repent. He says, those that engage in such things shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is not me hating you. This is me loving you. I want you to go to heaven. But the things of men get us. This is powerful. Are you all get it. The things of men get us to be focused upon the emotional feelings of men. Oh, Jesus! No, far be it from me. If you, if you go, oh, it's terrible. And how we'll all be so sad. And I, we don't. I don't think it's a better thing. And you know, no, far be it from me that you die. I, don't even let it. I'm going to stand up and not let it happen. And Jesus is saying, "You don't understand, Peter. You, I, you just declared me to be the Christ, but you don't understand. Except I die. Except the grain of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. Except I bear on the sins of the world. No one could go to be with my Father. You don't understand. My suffering is a blessing. Amen. Whew. Jesus." John 8, 43 and 40, beginning of 43 and part of 44. Why do you not, Jesus speaking, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Now, we look at that as maybe the most unholy desires of perversion or violence, but that's not always where we get trapped. It's kind of easy for us to look at those things and say, those are the desires of your father, the devil. But there are much more subtle lies that have infiltrated into the church. Uh, are you all with me on this? He said, You are of your father, the devil. Because the devil is a liar. He's been lying from the beginning. In fact, when he lies, he speaks of his own nature. He speaks from his own nature. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And what you have listened to, Peter, what you were listening to was a lie. I'm telling you, I need to die. But you're listening to a lie being driven by human emotions and human compassion. Are y'all hearing me on this? Because I'm going to smack something here in a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, the message of Christ... Not just the message of forgiveness. The gospel isn't just the message that Jesus came to die for our sins. I thank God. But Jesus came for a much greater purpose than to just die for our sins. In fact, if you drew a big circle here and you said, how much percentage of this was simply for the, the shedding of blood, for the forgiveness of our sins. Maybe it's just this little wedge here. Jesus came for a much greater purpose than that. He said, it says in John, 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come just to forgive you of your sin. He came to deliver you from sin. He came to deliver you from sickness. He came to break the power of death. Come on. He came to bring and put his kingdom inside of you. He came to raise you up to be kings and priests of the Lord most high. He came to destroy all the works of the devil. Jesus came for a much greater purpose than simply getting your sins forgiven. He came for a much greater purpose than simply getting you to no longer feel guilty. The focus of so much of what's happening in the church, I hope you're with me on this, The focus of so much that's happening in the church has been a focus on the emotion of feeling guilty. So almost the entirety of the message is God's grace to an extent, to to an over-extreme that don't feel guilty, don't feel guilty, don't feel guilty. Jesus didn't just come so you didn't feel guilty. Jesus came so you stopped doing the thing that made you guilty. He came to break the power of sin, so we sin no more, so we no longer are doing those things. But man's wisdom, man's wisdom, not the thoughts of God, man's wisdom says it's more important to make people feel emotionally positive and self-esteem than it is to deal with the wickedness in their lives. So we got preachers out there preaching hyper, what I call hyper grace, and saying, well, God won't, the Holy Spirit doesn't convict Christians of sin. They're preaching that right now. Holy Spirit doesn't convict once you once you once you confess Jesus, once you're born again, then you have no conscience of sin anymore. And the Holy Spirit will never convict you of sin because he loves you. That's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Huh? So you're telling me if the husband is cheating on his wife that the Holy Spirit won't convict the husband so the poor wife has to deal the rest of her life with a cheating husband because the Holy Spirit won't convict him? How is that the mercy of God? How is that the love of God? How is it the love of God for God and the mercy of God? People say God will not judge. I've had people when I talk about judgment that's falling on parts of America. I've had many people come up to me and say, you're, you're, that's Old Testament, Brother Steve. God doesn't judge anymore. How can he not? How can a loving God not finally deal with America on the murder of 63 million unborn children? At what point will the blood cry out? If the blood of one man, Abel, cried out to God so much that he had to bring judgment to Cain, how much more so does the blood of 63 million innocent babies cry out? I'm telling you, the blood is crying out. And one of two things will happen. We will either resolve this in the courts of men or God will deal with it in the courts of heaven. Abraham Lincoln, I wish I had this specific quote here right now, but Abraham Lincoln said, We went to the Lincoln Memorial. I tell you, it was so spiritual, it was powerful. But he sat there and he described about the Civil War. He said, We play, we pray that this God, that God would stop this thing. I'm gonna paraphrase. He said, but should he not, maybe, and I'm paraphrasing, maybe we are required, maybe this civil war will not stop until the blood of everyone shed on the back of a lash be ca- counted or caused by us through this civil war. Maybe we're having to pay the price. The civil war was a judgment of God for the curse of slavery because we wouldn't deal with it. Go study the Bible about the accounting and requiring of the shedding of blood. And I pray you see, you hear it in in America right now. I'm, do you mind? I'm just I'm just I'm just speaking as a prophet today. Is that all right? We're at that brink right right now, and we're either going to get a breakthrough in the courts and break this plague of abortion, or we will have another civil war. And the devil's crowd is stirring it up, stirring it up. What do you think Antifa is out there doing? What do you think the words they're, they're This is not a game. This is not just a little protest. They're literally trying to stir up another civil war to destroy this country. They're trying to stir stir it up, but I believe we are sitting in a moment of time right now to break this plague of abortion, this shedding of blood off of our country. See, a lot of Christians are even saying, oh, Brother Steve, Christians, you're too singularly focused on one issue. That's what they said to the slave traders. The, the, the abolitionists, excuse me. They said it's too political of an issue. There's too many people on two sides. Leave that issue alone. It's not that important. How, who of us today would say that William Wilberforce was wrong for spending his entire life in England fighting the slave trade? Who of us would say that Abraham Lincoln was wrong for really whisking the the entire nation to break the back of slavery? Who of us today would even dare speak such words? We would not, for history has proven them to be right. And I'm telling you, we are sitting with a plague, 63 million unborn children. I told you in July, God spoke to me when the riots broke out spoke to me, meant the wisdom of God, folks. He said when the riots broke out, he said they're crying out for justice, but it falls upon deaf ears until they cry out for justice for the unborn because they're literally tearing up the streets over the the murder, and it was a murder, over the murder of a few uh, uh, African-American men, and yet 23 million African-American babies have been slaughtered in the womb. We've got to break this thing. It is a demonic. Do you don't understand, folks? Do you understand? Please put it, please hear my heart. One of the greatest sins throughout all the Old Testament that God dealt with ruthlessly and literally caused nations to come down is the sacrificing of children upon the altar of demons. And just because we no longer build a wooden altar, but we have a metal table, it's still an altar. And every baby that is killed releases demonic power. I started declaring to you in June, in July, when I was here, I declared to you that when men do unrighteous acts, we release demonic power. That all authority, listen, God gave man dominion on the earth. We did not give that to the devil. That's a lie. There's nowhere in scripture. We still have dominion. The devil can do nothing on the earth except a man yield to him and release that to him. That's also why God can do nothing on the earth except a man yield to him. So much so that God said he looked to and fro that one would intercede, that one would stand in the gap. He could not find none. One, none. He could find none, so he raised up. He, He worked his own right hand, and he raised it up. Who did he raise up? His son as a man because God had to send his son as a man because he had given man the gifts and call of God without repentance. He gave to man the ministry of intercession. He gave to man the ministry, and he gave to man the right of dominion on the earth. And except a man yield to him, God has no legal right to do anything on the earth. And except a man yield to him, the devil has no power to do anything on the earth. So he has to, the devil has to deceive somebody to obey him to release demonic power. But when God finds somebody to yield to him, it releases the power of the kingdom of heaven. And under the power of the kingdom of heaven, one shall put a thousand to flight and two shall put 10,000. Huh. Why was God willing to spare Sodom and Gomorrah for just 10 righteous people, there were cities of 200,000. 200,000 people yielding to wickedness, being portals of hell. But God said, if I can find just 10 righteous people that'll yield to me and be the light and the salt, the power that I'll flow through, those 10 will ultimately overcome the power of the 200,000. Oh, come on, son. Are you? Hallelujah. Do you understand how potentially powerful you are? Do you understand how potentially, how much? No wonder Jesus said when they said, teach us how to pray. I'm going to show you how to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done done those weren't requests and those weren't begging words the word come and be done are command words I've given you man the right to release what's in heaven on the earth and I've given you come on amen, amen. Oh, man. Uh, let's go to psalm I got it. Uh, psalm 68 are y'all with me on this I I haven't even started yet. (laughs) Psalm 68. Oh, you all know this one. Psalm 68, verse 1. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. He goes on to say, verse 8, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. Verse, you said, verse nine, get ready for an outpouring of God upon the church. You, you, oh God, sent a plentiful rain (laughs) whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. The church is weary right now, but God's about to pour out a plentiful rain. Your congregation dwelt in it. You're not just going to get a touch. You're going to dwell in this thing. You're going to dwell in this thing. Oh, there's a remnant out there, church. Hey, we've, we've been shocked by how many how many Christians that claim to be Christians are, 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 are hiding away. They won't even go back to church in the states, you know, that allow you to go to church. And they won't even go back. But there is a remnant that's rising up. There's a remnant going out on the streets. There's a remnant that's calling upon the presence of God. And God says, I'm about to pour out a mighty, abundant rain. And you're not just going to have a service or two. You're, you're going to dwell in this abundance of my rain. You're going to dwell in it. Your congregation dwelt in it, you, oh God, provided from your goodness for the poor. Watch this, verse 11. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Oh there is a prophetic mantle about to bust forth in a bunch of people that maybe thought they were shy, but they're going to get so filled up with the Holy Ghost, and there's going to be a great company that's going to declare the word of the Lord. They're not going to be worried about the emotions of men. They're not going to be worried about the feelings of men, but they're going to declare with boldness, thus saith the Lord God. Huh? You see, the strategy of the devil, even in our politics, has been get us to focus on the thoughts of men, how it makes people feel, instead of the wisdom of God. So much so that the church is afraid to declare the wisdom of God because we're afraid of being accused of hurting people's feelings. I would rather them have a hurt feeling and get saved than feel good and go to hell. Huh? You see the strategy of the enemy? Get thee behind me, Satan. So he goes on. He talks about this great victory. And then God did something I thought was so, God brought me to a scripture that I didn't understand it. Verse 15, a mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you fume with envy? you mountains of many peaks. This is the mountain which God desires to dwell in. Talk about Zion. Yes, the Lord would dwell in it forever. So I started doing some research about the mountains of Bashan. They were very mighty mountains. Zion's a fairly small mountain. And then I found out that the mountains of Bashan, there are many cities around there and some, it's a kind of a range. And one of the mountains is Hermon. And there's cities there. And It was known from the Jews and as well as the ancient people during that time. They called that the gate to the underworld. The gate to the underworld. And at the base of Haman was a city known by many names, but in the days of Jesus, it was called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is where Jesus was gathered with his disciples when he said, who do men say that I am? Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. Who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon. Bar-Jonah, for man has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And you are Peter. And upon this rock... I will build my church. Caesarea Philippi right there is a cave. A cave where they literally, I literally called it the gate of the underworld, or in other words, the gate of hell. And over there, so Jesus was standing at the place that even the Jews believe was the gate of hell. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was literally standing at the place that is called the gate of hell. And he's saying right here, this gate will not prevail against my church. Amen. Amen. But they have also found, archaeologists have found at that cave, which they believe this is where it was, that's known as the gate of hell. There is, there's there's car, ancient carvings up there where they used to worship the Greek god Pan. Pan is the God, the half-man, half-goat. It's the God of the wild and the beast, but specifically, it's the God of fright. It's where we get the word panic from. At the gate of hell, the spirit of panic, the God Pan. Maybe that's where we get pandemic from. God Pan was worshipped, and Jesus said, This demon spirit of fear, this portal of hell, shall not prevail against my church, for I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. My kingdom has power over this kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth must be what's already bound in heaven. Read it from the... Oh, we got to go there. We got to go there. Can we smack the devil here this morning? Come on. Can we smack the devil here this morning? Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter... Oh, I got to go... I got to read it from the Amplified because this is just... This is too good. Woo! Matthew 16 and verse 18. He says, And I say to you, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Let me get back to the Amplified right here. Come on. You are Peter, Greek, Petros, a large piece of rock, and on this rock a huge rock, Gibraltar, I will build my church, the gates of hell, the powers of the infernal region, I'm standing at the gate of hell, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, that is to declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be What is already bound in heaven. I'm not giving you power to just run around and start claiming whatever you feel. I bind this and I bind that and I bind my auntie and I bind this one. I'm not giving you that power. You've got to get in the spirit and find out what is illegal in heaven. And I they have given you authority to declare that illegal on the earth and this gate of hell will not prevail against what you declare come on. are y'all here come on it will not but you gotta find out what i'm saying that's why you're gonna to have to clear out your mind that's why you're gonna to have to stop listening to the opinions of men You're going to have to stop being moved by the emotions of men. You're going to have to stop being twisted by the political arguments. You're going to have to know what my will is. And then you have, I give you authority. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. I've given you authority to bind, to declare unlawful on earth what is already unlawful in heaven. And whatever you declare lawful on the earth must be what is already lawful in heaven. You need to find out what is my plan at this moment, at this season. Now, we can pray the will of God generically based on what we know here, and there's much we can do with that. But we've got to enter a new level of prophetic spiritual warfare prayer where we're hearing exactly what is God's will for the moment and begin with faith and authority to declare illegal what God says is illegal and declare lawful what God says is lawful. And you're not going to do that spending eight hours a day watching the devil vision. You're not going to do that being... Huh? You're not going to do that being driven by entertainment. Uh-oh. Head of, one of the head of Disney's was approached by one of the Christians back leading Christians back in the late 1990s when they were pushing their homosexual agenda, he said, if you don't stop this, we Christians are going to boycott you. And this head, one of the top execs did. he said, we're not afraid of you Christians because you love your entertainment more than you love your God. Wow. Wow. To entertain. Wow. Literally, if you break the word apart, it is to detain so something can enter. We're so filled up with all of our conversations, all our entertainments, all of our gossip, all of our our scanning Facebook on wasted things and all that time that we're not getting before the presence of God hearing. What are you, what is your opinion about this? We've got people out there running around and I'm just gonna say it the way it is. They're out there, we got Christians out there going, I just, I can't vote for President Trump. I just don't like him. You got the most pro-Israel, pro-life, President we have ever had in our lifetime, and you're worried about his temper? Let me tell you something. If you were being held as a prisoner by Al Qaeda, being tortured daily, I don't think you would care how much of a bad attitude the, the special forces guy that came in that rescued. If you, you don't care how many tattoos he's got, you don't care how much bad how nasty he talks, you just want a warrior to come in and fight for you. And sometimes, have you ever looked at the Bible? Have you ever looked at Isaiah 45? You got Cyrus the king. He's a heathen king. He had harems. You don't know what that means. He had a bunch of prostitutes. And God said, he's my anointed. Boy, that was... Man, if we if you wait for the perfect Christian to come along to bring you deliverance you never get delivered. Samson wasn't perfect he was a deliverer. David was an adulteress and a murderer. He, did, he was a deliverer. I'm not justifying sin. I pray for the repentance of sin but my God, we have believed the lie of the enemy that we would rather have some Peter Pan pansy to be our president instead of a warrior that'll stand for righteousness. I'm telling you as a prophet of God. God raised him up. I'm telling you as a prophet of God. You ain't know, political. No, I'm getting prophetic. God raised him up. God raised him up. I didn't like him when I first saw. Him. You understand? I wanted I wanted somebody nicer. But God raised him up and you see the way the devil has come after him and come after why? Because I you know, I didn't know about him, but I've never seen him. and I've looked at him and Can I tell you something privately? It's on Facebook, it's all right. Did he deliver a lot of ungodly stuff? Did he deliver a worldly life? Did he live on the pleasures of of the flesh? Yes, he did. Let me tell you something, God spoke to me. He said, I have required him to sacrifice much to do my will. He's gonna be the first president that walks out uh, worth less by billions of dollars than by the way they went in. God said, I have required much of him to do my will. If we don't hear the voice of God, well, Brother Steve, because there's people out there saying, well, abortion. Christians are too monolithic. They're too monolithic. If we don't hear the voice of God, we will not be able to pray with authority. So let me lay something out on you. In April of this year, something started stirring in my spirit. And I'm barely getting in. I'm going to get into something a little later to come fry your socks off. I started feeling in my spirit to believe God for President Trump to win 40 states. Now, you have to understand, I know politics that's nuts, okay? I mean that's like you know Washington and Oregon got to vote for him. I mean I mean that's like nuts, okay that's like that's like it, 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 in the natural it cannot happen. As we went on this prayer journey, but by the way, this prayer journey began on the 4th of July. this was not planned. The day of Of the celebration of the declaration of our natural freedom. Our trip ended on Yom Kippur, the day of the celebration of our declaration of spiritual freedom. God told me before this trip, He said, I'm gonna move you into a whole new level of the prophetic. Every place we stepped our foot, God would begin to speak. I would know things. I couldn't know it. I would have known in the natural. God started unveiling things place after place, showing me what was going on. When we entered into Illinois, we were asked to meet with a prophet. We were supposed to meet him and his wife in his wife last minute couldn't come and we're sitting down having a meal with this prophet and he sat there and he said, God spoke to me something about the election and he said, it's so crazy, I haven't even told my wife. I said, he said, "Uh," and he's hesitating, hesitating and as he's hesitating, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what he's about to say is from me. He said, it has to do with the election and with the number 40. I immediately smiled, looked at Travis, got a big grin. I said, I know what it is. He said, what? I said, Trump's going to win 40 states. He said, yes. That's what God told me, 40 states. I said, well, okay, Lord, then what is it? What is it? What is it about 40 states? Why 40 states? And immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, it will be a prophetic sign. I said, what is this sign? What is the sign? So I started praying. What is this sign? What happened 40 years ago? This is 2020. What happened in 1980? What happened 40 years ago? Well, I know, I know history, and I was like, 40 years ago was the first time the Christians ever galvanized together, organized together to get a president elected. The moral majority under Jerry Falwell, 40 years ago, 1980. Wow, there's something about that. I don't know what that is, but there's something about that. So we continued to pray over the next couple of weeks. We went different places. And then we entered into Atlanta, Georgia. We entered into Georgia and we, we went into Atlanta to pray. And- felt some very powerful things there and we were there in georgia and uh, uh we actually had gone about two hours out uh to do our park our rv and then we were coming back in Ch- travis's mother lives in the north part of atlanta and we're driving back in and the holy spirit begun to speak to me and he's going to sometimes see the bible says that the glory of god to conceal him out or the glory of kings to search it out sometimes god will just give you a download and tell you everything sometimes he says go look it up search it out, pray and search it out. So I sat there and it jumped in my heart. I don't know why I thought about what well, I do know. It was the Holy Ghost. He said, I want you to go look at the Democratic Party platform from 1980. So we looked at the Democratic Party platform. We then also looked at 1972, 68, and 1976 to see 1980, or you hear me carefully, 1980 was the first time the Democrats put in their party platform that they were pro-abortion on demand. Roe v. Wade was 1973, but it was 1980 that the Democrats declared and they put down there that we are, that we support Roe v. Wade and uh, free access to unhindered access to abortion. And we stand against any amendment that would hinder or restrict access to abortion. So then I started sitting there going, well, what amendment was coming up? And there was several amendments that were being proposed, but the amendments that were being proposed were equal rights for the unborn. So the Democrat Party, as a party, took a stand and said, not only are we supporting the murder of innocent children, but we are standing against any law that would hinder or give any rights to the unborn." Now I don't know there's, you can't get more evil than that. The party that claims to defend the weak literally said we oppose anything that would protect the most vulnerable." God began to deal with me more on, on, on this and unveiling it, and I'm in shock as this' is happening. I had felt for a couple weeks that I needed to go see Sid Roth. I had been on his program three times, but not for eight years. And the Lord spoke to me, said, I want you to go. Don't make an appointment. Just show up at his doorstep. Now, you guys got to understand, when somebody is as well-known as Sid Roth, you cannot just show up at their doorstep and get a meeting. In fact, I found out later that it takes sometimes two years to get an appointment because so many people want to meet with Sid Roth. Well, we went down... we were supposed to be there days early, but we got delayed by a little miracle in Augusta, Georgia. You got to hear this, okay? We got delayed by a Should I tell you the miracle? I got to tell you this thing. We were going and we got a phone call from a friend, LaDonna Taylor, who's close to Sid Roth. We got this phone call that there was this lady... Uh, in this church, and on the Tuesday prior, she called me on Sunday, on the Tuesday prior, um, one of their leaders was walking through the sanctuary, big sanctuary, and he could smell like like a bakery, sweet bread. He called the pastor, he brought other people in, they smelled it too, called the pastor, he says, are we doing something special, somebody cooking? No. He says, well, I, I, it, it seems to be strongest up by the platform on this particular side. She said, on that part of the platform was an ark, a, 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 a replica ark. Sit there. And he, she said, "Well." He said, "As I get close to the ark, it smells like it's from here." She said, "Well, open it." We never open it. He opened it up and he said, "So, do people regularly change out the bread in this ark?" She said, "No. It's a little plastic bowl with a couple little plastic pieces of bread." He said, "It's not a basket." No, she said. Well, he said, "There's a basket in here, and there's hot bread in here. It looked like matzo bread." he says the stick you know that represents Aaron's rod doesn't have Hebrew writing on it she said no it's a twig it's about this big he said no it's not it's all the whole length of the ark and it's got Hebrew writing on it it's got flowers and buds on it I think you need to get down here the pastor goes down there. They get down there. They take and they eat of the bread. They said it looked like matzah bread, but matzah bread is flat. It doesn't have any taste to it. This it was sweet tasting and it was warm. And the, and 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 the rod has Hebrew writing on it. They took a picture of it. They tried to translate it, but it was ancient Hebrew. They sent it to an expert back in Israel, who on Sunday morning, right before the service, came back and he said what that means is Aaron. Aaron's rod that budded. If you read the story, Aaron wrote his name on the rod. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they opened that the Lord on Wednesday said, Close up the ark, don't open it until Sunday. They opened it up on Sunday morning. They went back, they have security cameras, big church. They have security cameras. They reviewed five months of security cameras. They said nobody touched or opened that ark for five months. They sat there on Wednesday. My friend LaDonna Taylor was there. She said they actually went in and they broke the bread. It was still warm and fresh five days later. Are you all hearing me? They've opened up multiple times. It's still in there. My friend LaDonna is taking pictures of it. She said the buds are starting to grow. The buds are growing and the flowers are changing shape. Something is happening. Something is happening. So we, we, we went. Okay, I, I said, we're, we're, we're going. So we delayed our trip a couple days. We went there. I got up close. I'm looking at this thing. I, if it's fake, it's the best fake I've ever seen in my life because it looks like real flowers and real buds. I'm, I'm looking at this rod. In fact, this rod, even up top, you could see, <laughs> you could see where it looked like blood stains on the top because they, they would hold, that's where the priest would hold after having shed the blood and sprinkled the blood, their hands would be bloody, and where they would hold the rod. Oh. So we're, we're, we're like, this is amazing. Then the next day, we're going to go see Sid Roth. <laughs> and, on, and we're on our way to go see Sid Roth, and we get stuck. There was a, a traffic accident on the freeway. A truck flipped over, and we're stuck for two hours. We're going to be delayed two hours. Nobody knows we're coming, but we're going to be delayed. And I'm at peace because I'm thinking, I bet this delay is going to set it up that we run into Sid Roth. We get all the way up to Charlotte, we go to his door. There's not even, you can't even get in, it's all locked up. But somebody saw us on a security camera we started to leave a man walked out he talked to us and i told him who i was they don't didn't remember me and uh, he said well sid's not even here i said well, okay he said well let me talk to his secretary he goes and talks to his secretary his secretary comes out 10 minutes later she she says she said i'm sorry i don't remember you i was here when you were here but i don't remember you but sid just walked in would you like to meet him Yes. So we get in and we sit down with Sid Roth for 20 minutes. He says, he asked me a bunch of questions. And then he says, is there anything God is speaking to you prophetically that hasn't happened yet? I start telling him about this 40 states. I start telling him about 40 years ago. I said, God's going to do something. It's 40, for 40 years, God's given the Democratic Party. A chance to repent, but instead they've taken the most pro-abortion language in their in their platform this year of any year. The most pro-abortion. I said God's given him a chance. Something's going to break. I said, but it's not finished yet. There's something else to happen. He said, okay. He dismissed us later that day. We're driving, and I have a vision. He's driving. Thank God. I have a vision. You gotta hear this, you gotta hear this. In this vision, in this, vi- in this vision, I see one of those big water buckets like you see at a kid's water park, and it's rocking and, and it's almost filled with water and it's tipping, and little bits of water are going off the top. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, The water is the prayers of the saints to overturn abortion. And it's almost full. Underneath it was a giant map of the United States. And it's rocking and tipping and little bits are spilling over. He said those spills, he said, "Sudden, the recent heartbeat laws that have been passed in some states, the spill is the recent heartbeat laws. Then I thought, thought, man, we got to pray now, we got to pray now. And then I saw golden oil pouring in. Golden oil, it was gold, but it acted like oil. It was pouring in. And the Lord said, this is the prayers of heaven mixing with the prayers of the earth. And I thought to myself, the prayers of heaven, he said, Jesus ever liveth to intercede. He said, I have given unto man the ministry of intercession. He said, even the saints, end time saints that die in the during the revelation period, they are praying to me, crying out, when will you avenge our blood? There are prayers of heaven. And then I saw two angels on either side with pitchers, golden pitchers or brass pitchers. The pitchers were the exact pitchers that I that I saw later on. I looked it up. They're the pitchers they used in ancient Israel to fill up the oil for the candlesticks in the tabernacle and is pouring the oil one on this side one on that side the angel on this side had a name his name was justice oh the name on this side his name was mercy and this is where i lost it. i was trying to cry and i'm wailing he said these are the prayers of the aborted babies crying for justice and mercy And I saw the bucket fill up, and it poured over, and it washed the entirety of the United States. And God said, when this injustice of abortion breaks, it will literally break off injustices in every other area of American life. It will break off racial injustice. It will break off economic injustice. It will break off political injustice. It will break off the human sex trafficking injustice. It will literally open up a breakthrough of justice throughout America and the golden oil as it hit the map the whole map was washed white and I saw the golden oil beat up like like mercury metal would beat up and hundreds all over the United States and I knew they were outpourings of the glory of God some of them were entire cities some of them were just little tiny areas maybe even like a home cell group but there were hundreds maybe thousands all over the United States when we break this injustice it's about to break it's going to unleash the glory of God upon America like we've never seen before later on we didn't we discovered are you ready for this not only was it 40 states there's a confirmation Two confirmation to 40 states then we realized it was 40 years ago the democrats took a stand against god then we realized that atlanta was the 40th city The day God gave us the revelation was when we went to the 40th city on our trip, on the 40th day of our trip, to elect the 40th president of the United States of America, Ronald Reagan. And why we were in Georgia? Because Jimmy Carter was from Georgia, who was a born-again Christian, pro-life born-again Christian, who surrendered his pro-life stance to his party to allow his party to put anti- or pro-abortion language. That is the day that the born-again Christian surrendered to abortion. Oh, you somebody say God is incredible. Come on, are you hearing me? There is confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. And I've held this pretty quiet, only shared it with a few people. Then finally, this week, God told me to release it. And somebody wrote back to us and said, do you know, this is the 40th week of the year. Oh, my father, God. So we head up to the Supreme Court of the United States. Travis had had a vision weeks earlier, but then God filled it in. He saw a demon sitting on top of the Supreme Court on the right pillar. On the front of the on the right pillar over the Supreme Court, it looked like that one of those demons from Lord of the Rings. You know, it would and it could fly all over the United States and it would scream and intimidate and threaten all over the United States. But it perched there. It was not the demon that ruled the Supreme Court. It perched at the Supreme Court, and I sit there and we've seen that. And then I said, "What's the statue? There's a statue right underneath it. That statue represents the authority of law." We knew this was the demon of abortion. This demon of abortion gets its, af- gets its power from the authority of law. But on the other side, there's another statue. I said, what's that statue? That statue represents contemplation of justice. And she in her hand is holding a small lady justice. Have you ever seen Lady Justice? You know, a nice, beautiful, thin lady with the, the cloud. Lady Justice, but this Lady Justice isn't thin. She has her hands on her belly. This Lady Justice is pregnant. It's the only lady justice in the world that's pregnant. Is it possible? God set it up to point the finger that there was going to be a a battle between the authority of law for abortion and the contemplation of real justice of the unborn child. I'm telling you, something is about to happen. And in the vision, Travis saw a woman chop off the head of that demon. Who just got nominated to the Supreme Court of the United States? The most pro-life, tongue-talking, Catholic. Are y'all hearing me? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God spoke to John Piper John Piper years ago and God told him that the Catholics were going to be used to break Roe v Wade is there oh my God are you hearing me church we're set up this is the most important time that we have ever been in if we break and this is why the lie of the devil well so many it's too divisive about abortion leave that alone there's more important things no when we break this every other thing will break you want racial freedom? Break abortion. You want economic freedom? Break abortion. You, 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 you want uh, political uh, freedom and justice? Break abortion. All of it's tied together because we've been giving demons power of injustice by sacrificing our children on the altar. Amen. And then I get up to Massachusetts and I get to the statue and there I see Law. And when God said, the babies are crying out for justice and mercy, and I look at the founder's statue, and on this side is justice, (laughs) and on this side is mercy. This is not an election, this is a fight. We are in the greatest spiritual time and battle. It's why the devil is doing everything. You've never seen so much hate. You've never seen so much manipulation. You've never seen so much lies. It's not natural. It's a demon spirit. But God says, behold, I give unto thee power Amen. over all the power of the enemy. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise. Hi. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled from those who are perishing, whose minds, the God of this age, he's not the God of this world, he's the God of this age. He might be the prince of the power of the air, but he's not the one that we have dominion on the earth, has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Second Thessalonians, I want to give you this real quick, and then we're gonna shift gears. Second Thessalonians 2, beginning with verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. (laughs) Guys, do you understand? Defund the police is the mystery of lawlessness. Do you understand all of this? To see it through the eyes of the spirit. The lawlessness is a demonic agenda. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Lawlessness is always the work of Satan. But notice, the lawlessness didn't begin, this lawlessness in sweeping America, didn't begin in the streets. It began in the church. We stopped preaching holiness and we stopped preaching repentance and we stopped preaching surrender and we started, did anybody come? And we started embracing homosexuality and ordaining gay priests and all this other stuff. We've allowed this stuff in. We allowed the spirit of lawlessness to come into the church. So we lost our authority. We lost our power. Whew. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, now watch this, Signs and lying wonders. I want you to put that in your spirit for a moment. Lying wonders. Sometimes we think, well, there's going to be miracles that are just lying miracles. Put in your spirit. It's not just that, it's supernaturally empowered lies. Haven't you sat back and wondered? How is it that certain people can speak lies and half the population goes, oh, yeah. Trump is Putin's puppet. Oh, yeah. How is it? And I'm just going to call it the way it is because it's what exactly what it is. How is it such a Nancy Pelosi can get up there and speak and people, so many people are like, oh. What is it about? This little frail woman, why, how is her word so powerful? Because I've seen it. It's a spirit of witchcraft. It's a lying spirit. It's a lying spirit. Somebody say, well, Trump lies, and this one lies. It's a lying spirit. And it's a supernatural spirit of lawlessness that lies and lies and lies and lies and it says and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish it is a supernatural power to convince people to believe a lie Hitler had it he got people by the millions to turn against the Jews and to believe a lie we see it functioning as a supernatural demonic power. It is a lying spirit. That is why you are frustrated day and night when you try to have a rational argument with people who are under the influence of a lying spirit, because you cannot rationalize with a demon. you got to cast it out. you got to deal with the spirit that's behind the lie. The lie that abortion is really about a woman's right to choose. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie it's a lying spirit it's the wisdom of man oh but how it makes women feel but God says it's a life my life all life comes from me I breathed into that baby the very breath of life you are sacrificing part of me Life is in the blood, and when you shed innocent blood, you're, that's my life is in them. You're not just taking away some random life. You're literally, that's me, God. I am in them. My life is in them. You're sacrificing me. You understand the lie? But this lying spirit with all deception among those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth. They did not receive the love of the truth. Have you ever read Psalm 119? Go hang out there for about three years. It's long, but oh my gosh, oh, oh, I love your precepts. I love your commands. I cherish them. Oh, they're life to me. Oh, God, speak to me. Oh, God, deal with me. Bring me in alignment with your commandments and your just your judgments and your statutes. Oh, how precious they are to me. We love truth. You know you love truth. When God deals with you, you get convicted and you're happy about it. Come on, amen. Come on. Some of y'all looking at me, you don't know what I know. When you get a good spanking, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because I, oh, Lord, I desire truth on the inward part. I love truth, not my opinion, not what agrees with my, my feelings, not what makes me feel good. I love truth, lovers of truth, lovers of truth. What the Bible says in the last days, it'll be perilous times for people to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They want their own pleasures. They want, no, I want Truth. And he says, this is all a parting of the working of the lawless one. Supernaturally, demonically empowered lies. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And God says, there comes a point. Hear me. you got to understand. Are you all with me on this? you got to understand how crazy people are going to get. Do you think they're crazy now? He ain't seen nothing yet. And I'm going to show you why. Because this is what's coming. That they, he said they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved, might be saved. For this reason, God, God sent them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. God says there comes a point that they keep rejecting me, rejecting me, rejecting me, rejecting me. me that say, all right, I'm going to turn you over. You're going to believe the lie. So you can, it doesn't matter what facts you show to their face. It doesn't matter what you bring. They're going to believe the lie. The first sign that you're under the judgment of God is you believe lies. Oh, oh can I prove that to you? Let's, let's go to Romans for a moment. Oh, my gosh. Well, here, let me finish this up, because you got to see this. That they all may be condemned, who did not believe the truth. Why? But had pleasure in unrighteousness. They did not believe the truth, because they were more interested in their pleasure in unrighteousness. They wanted their sin more than they wanted God. Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. I think think it's actually 18. Yeah, 18. For the wrath of God, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They resist the truth. The wrath of God is revealed, not will be revealed, look it up, is right now. Paul's saying in the New Testament, the wrath of God is right now being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. They're resisting the truth in unrighteousness. Even though everything that could be known about God was manifest and shown to them, even in through creation, he goes on to say, but they changed the glory of the incorruptible God, verse 23, and an image made like man into an image made like man into an image made like man. It's not just talking about carving a statue that, statue that looked like man. They created an image of God in their man that looked like men. They created a God that is like them. So they say God's a God of love. We decide what love is, not God. God. And this gay person loves that gay person, so God's a God of love. Therefore, that's okay. Are y'all hearing me? We've created a God in the image of men. God doesn't judge. Judge Jesus said, judge not. Therefore, it doesn't matter what you do because that's our image of judging. That's our image of judging. So we've created a God in the image of men. Are y'all hearing me? God says they go on to do this, and here's what he says he does. Verse 26, or verse 24, therefore God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature Rather than the creator. Let me put this in your spirit, quick, guys. When the Antichrist comes and they create that image that's going to come alive and speak, you say, How are people in our day and age, so scientific and mind, how are they ever going to worship, sit down and worship an image again? I don't believe they're going to worship an idol, I don't believe they're going to worship a statue. I believe the end time strategy of God, or the devil, is to get man to worship man. That we are gonna believe that we have obtained to a new level of enlightenment. That we are gonna believe we have to a new level of, of holistic fullness. And that's why so many people are gonna follow the beast because they're gonna say, no man, we are our own God. We are our own creator. We are our own. We're it. We are it. Worship man. And we who preach the truth and say, no, there's only one true living God, Jesus, all men is sin. We're going to be the enemies because we stand in the way of their concept of enlightenment. God says he's going to turn them over to believe a lie. Look at that. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchange the natural use of what is against nature likewise also men leaving the natural use of women burned in lust for one another men and uh, with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which is due and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting you're going to see The righteousness of God rise. You're going to see great outpourings of the glory of God. You're going to see great move of God, great working of holiness like never before, and you're going to see the most unbelievable wickedness that we have ever seen simultaneously side by side because God is going to be, God is revealing truth, and those who follow him are going to become more and more glorious and righteous, but the enemy is releasing the spirit of lawlessness. We've got to understand what we're battling here. Amen? Amen? All right. Someone said the, the devil's a liar. So unrighteousness—that word unrighteous literally means a failure to, to to adhere to adhere to moral principles, laws, or commands. A failure to adhere to moral principles, laws, or commands. Isn't it interesting? We're living in a day when they want to throw off all laws, even in the church, throw off all laws. We don't need to believe, you know, I, there's preachers out there preaching. Wow, well, we don't you, don't, you don't have to, don't, you don't have to obey the commands because we're free. We're not under law, Brother Steve. We're free. we're free, we're free, we're free, we're free. Really? How free are you? Are you free to murder now? I mean, how free are you? Do you understand the deception of this? No, we the blood of Jesus, we don't earn our acceptance to God by 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 doing the right things. We are, we're saved by grace and the grace, but because we believe in him, but the grace doesn't deliver us from the responsibility of a holy life. The grace gives us access to the power to live a holy life. That's what the grace does. It gives us the power to live a holy life. We're accepted in the blood because of our faith in the blood of Jesus but we are to live a righteous life.